Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. Hey, welcome back. Uh, if you're brand new to Mission Church, I'm Pastor Tyler, uh, and you are checking out a special Sunday. We're starting a new series titled Knowing God. Everybody say, Knowing God. You're going to see this rhythm in the Bible that the importance of knowing who God is is above all. It says in Hosea 4, 6 that my people perish for a lack of knowledge. Another translation would say my people are held captive for a lack of knowledge. And that knowledge is knowing God. You'll see in Daniel, it literally says in Daniel 11 that those who know God have an energy for God. You ever met an apathetic Christian? They just don't know God. But those who know God, it says they'll have strength and they will take action. I love what it said in Revelation when we were in the Making of a Great Disciple series. Literally, the way that Jesus wanted to change people's lives is he was inviting them to lunch. Get to know me and I'll change your life. There's something about knowing God. Now, uh, real quick, we're gonna be uh, finding out who this God is in one book. We're gonna be in one book for a while. It's the Gospel of John. So I feel like I gotta do some teaching real quick. So who wrote the Gospel of John? If you cracked the code, his name was John. Good, very smart church. Now, John was a fisherman, uh, but he was a fisherman and Jesus took him and made him a masterpiece writer. And what I mean by that is that you need to know something about cultural context is that the Christians uh, of this day were seen as barbaric and ignorant, that they were seen as less than in the education world. And so that you had these philosophers and one of the groups was the Plato philosophers, so they called the Platonic philosophers. And they came across the gospel of John and they literally said it was one of the greatest writings they'd ever seen. How in the world did a fisherman write this amazing masterpiece? Secrets out, it wasn't him, it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And may the Holy Spirit that inspired the writing of John inspire us tonight. Does that sound good? Another thing that you need to know about John, uh, the Gospel of John, it's uh, written by John. He's more famous than Billy Graham and the Pope at this time, combined. He's super famous. Like we're talking, he is the last disciple alive. Uh, he doesn't have to introduce himself, but he could. He doesn't have to brag, but he could brag. He could talk about the one that Jesus loved. He could talk about being the one that beat T uh, Peter to the tomb when they're racing back to the tomb, which he does write in the Gospel of John. It's kind of funny. But you know what I love about the Gospel of John? It goes right to Jesus. It starts, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You know what I noticed about mature believers? They don't need to start with themselves. They don't promote themselves anymore. The older you get, like John, John was the most, he was, again, more famous than the Pope and Billy Graham combined. He's like, I don't need to talk about myself. I don't got time for that. I got time for one thing. I want to talk about Jesus. You can see a mark of a mature believer who doesn't promote their own things, but promotes the name of Jesus. I love that about John. And of course, uh, you'll see in this writings, the Gospel of John, that he refers himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. It's not an arrogant statement. I think it's just a confident one that every Christian should actually believe themselves. I believe John has given us a model of a follower that we're all the disciple that Jesus loved. You'll see that Lazarus will refer to this as also. But man, so many disciples don't see themselves that way. Man, start seeing yourself that way. Another one, what's so special about the uh, gospel of the book of John is it's got an interesting target audience. Now, uh, if you're a brand new church, I always want to do a little teaching, a little bit of context before we dive into a new series, is the book of Matthew is targeted towards the Jewish audience. Now, why you can tell it's targeted is it has all the genealogy. It has a lot of language about things being fulfilled in the Jewish uh, prophecies. And so you'll see uh, the book of Matthew is literally targeted to the Jewish audience. Then the book of Mark is to the Roman audience. It is quick. It is fast. It is to the point. That's what the Romans would want to read. And so uh, if you are somebody who wants to read a whole gospel, go to Mark. It's a short, super short book. You feel really accomplished about yourself. Okay. And then Luke is to the Greek audience. Uh, Luke was a Gentile. 
And the Greeks were obsessed with the ideal man. And so you'll, use, you'll see even Luke use a word being uh, used in the book of Luke called the Son of Man, describing who Jesus is to the Greeks. But the Gospel of John, it's interesting. It's not targeted to the Jews. It's not targeted to the Greeks. It's not targeted to the Romans. It's targeted to the whole world. Augustine said this. He said that the go this gospel is deep enough for an elephant to swim, but shallow enough for a child not to drown. Whenever I have a new believer who somebody said yes to Jesus, says, what should I read? Go to the Gospel of John. The first three books are 60% similar. They call them the synoptic gospels. But the Gospel of John is 90% different. And the reason why it's, it's different is, the reason that we're looking at the book of John is simply this, is because more people make a case that it's the most comprehensive and penetrating answer to the central question of history of who is Jesus Christ. So if you wanna to get to know God, go to the gospel that talks about not what he did, but who he is. And when you find out who he is, you'll find out who you are. Come on now. now Last but not least, why are we gonna study it? And then I'm gonna pray. Here's why we're gonna study it. Is some of you know a lot of things, but you don't know God. You know a lot about the stock market. You know when to sell, you know when to buy, you know when to lay off, you know when to pay, be patient. Stock market's not gonna change your marriage. Stock market's not gonna change your life. But you know a lot about the stock market. A lot of you know way too much about sports. You know, Debo Samuel's out for another two weeks. His foot hurt, you know what I'm saying? You know about uh, Nick Bosa. You know who we're gonna draft next year for the 49ers. Sports ain't gonna change your life. You know more about sports than you do about your creator? Oh, this series, man, I wanna get to know God. Because those who know God have an energy for God. Those who know God do not perish, they're not held captive, they're set free. You guys wanna get to know God in this series? I'm gonna pray. God, I thank you for just again, a, a, another opportunity to encounter the living God. Oh, I love your word, it's alive and active. Oh, we love you, Jesus, we love you. Oh, may my words fall to the floor and your words soar. And everybody said? Hey, can we give it up for Lacey? She always brings a nice way. Lacey, this time it was five and a half minutes, not 25 minutes. First time we started doing this again, I, she was up here for 25, I forgot, I just got caught up. I was like, and then, and then, and then, and Lacey's like, when are my, can I leave? I'd go to war with you because you didn't bail on me. You stayed. That's impressive. That's impressive. You're not a quitter. You're not a quitter. Um, all right, let's get to work. I got 24 minutes on the countdown clock. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be reading out John 1 NIV. Uh, if you don't have it, I'm going to read it, and you can listen. Here we go. In the beginning. Stop. <laughs> Our God is about new beginnings. Man, I don't know about you, but I love new beginnings. I love new opportunities. I love fresh beginnings. In the beginning uh, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Come on now. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Not the apostle John, the uh, disciple John, but John the Baptist, okay? Uh, he came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and through the world was made through him. The world did not recognize him. How in the world did a fisherman write this? Mm -mm -mm. Holy Spirit, here we go. Uh, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born are not of natural descent, nor of human de uh, decision, uh, decision or, husband's, uh, or husband's will, but born of God. And this is a big one here. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Stop. Can I get an amen? amen. 
What you do if I just read the whole book? God, John, oh, buckle, buckle up today. All right. It's 14 verses. That's the most verses you probably read all week. Uh, stop talking. Okay. All right, here we go. Um, I, uh, I, one of the things I just, I, I want to get across real quick is I, I, I started reading all these um, writers who have passed away, theologians, and it's fascinating even seeing what people post and what they think what God would care about and not care about, and just how Christians should develop as believers. And I, I was thinking about our church, and so I just wanted to do a little culture teaching real quick. Uh, G.K. Chesterton, I'm going to sum up what he said. He said, um, as we grow uh, up, we sin, we get tired, we break down, and we get old. And, you know, ugh. and so then we picture God the same way, and that's not God. God does not sin. He does not break down. He does not get old. He does not get tired. And then G.K. Chesterton basically sums it up and says, God is not the one that grows old. We are. God is young. And it's just, and I, I think about our church, and what I love about our church is people come to our church, and we have ages of all kinds, young, old. We got um, different backgrounds, everything in our church. Our church is not about age. It's about spirit. And, and uh, we had somebody give uh, announcements today. Her name is Marcy. Come on, give Marcy a shout out. Marcy's been following the Lord for 50 plus years. Is that correct? 50 plus years. And I want to clone Marcy's spirit in our house. She's vibrant. Last week, I'm going to be honest. Last week's worship, the people who are here, if you're here, you're redeeming it because tonight was great. But if you weren't here, you were terrible last week. Um, worship was like this last week. Oh, the, uh, and we're like, we got to clone Marcy. We need more Marcy's in the house to worship. There's just something about a young, vibrant spirit. I don't, want to, I don't want people to know how long I've been following the Lord by how I respond in my apathy. I want them all to think, is that a brand new believer? He's, he's, he's energetic. No, just the more I get to know God, the more energy I have for God. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at three things that every Christian should know. John is writing something that the world should know. Every believer should know. Every seeker should know. If you're brand new and you're watching, you don't know what it means to be a Christian, you should know about this. The first thing that every person should know is simply this, is that we should know that Jesus is the meaning of life, the meaning of life. Uh, John 1, let me read it again to you real quick. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Boom. Uh, so let's just set a context uh, teaching real quick. So during this time, they had a lot of philosophers. We're not philosophers anymore. We have rappers and singers and artists. They are philosophers, okay? Um, uh, they'll teach us that we started from the bottom, but now we're here, okay? Um, it's true. So, so we get our philosophy and a lot of our thoughts from our singers and our, our rappers, but in their day, they didn't have singers or rappers. They actually had philosophers who would study the meaning of life. Now, anybody play games in the house? Anybody like board games? Who's the board game family? We love games in our family. AKA, I love games, so Rachel has to play. Um, she's the only child, so she likes solitaire, okay? Um, real talk, real talk. She don't want to play with nobody else. Just wants to be on her phone. Only child's in there, okay? I'll be like, we should have game night. She's like, I'm good. I'm totally fine right now. Um, so... But when we do play games, one of our favorite games is this game called Balderdash. Balderdash. Uh, anybody played Balderdash? If you never played Balderdash, we're going to play tonight. Right now, literally, we're going to play. You came to church, we can't play a game tonight. We're literally going to play Balderdash for one, one turn, one turn. Now, if you never played Balderdash, Balderdash is this game where you get a word, and then there is a real definition of that word in the group of all the things that are going to be submitted. So um, the word could be, let's say, um, camera. Let's just act like you never know what the word camera is, okay? And so camera is a, um, I don't even know how to describe camera, a metal thing that records stuff for good. That's why I hate the game. I hate the ball of dash. Um, and then other people could write for camera um, a French um, uh, 
poodle in the 1900s, okay? And you'd have to pick your definition out. That's a terrible expression of Balladash. Um, let's just play, okay? I hate the game Balladash. Rachel loves it. Um, I'm terrible at doing fake definitions. So uh, we're, this is what would happen. You'd grab a card, and the word that I uh, grabbed from Balladash for tonight is the word spong. Everybody say spong. So I'm gonna give you four definitions for the word spong, the meaning of spong. One of them is correct, the other three are incorrect. If you guess the correct one, you win in Balderdash. If you guess the incorrect one, you're a loser, okay? Here we go. Pong, pong. Oh, excuse me, excuse me, sorry, sorry. Spong, spong. <laughs> Not very good at the game, Balderdash. Spong. Four definitions. First one, a European cleaning tool. Spong, a European cleaning tool. Second definition. Spong, a first century toy, similar to a slinky, okay? Spong, an irregular narrow piece of land. Spong, someone who spits beats. Spong. All right, so if you think it's a European cleaning tool, Spong, raise your hand. Okay, we got, we got a good amount, okay? About, it's funny, like, it's funny, only one hand went up at first, and I was like, okay, I'm not an idiot, I'll pick that one too. All right. There's about 10 of you. Way, way to be a trans. Okay. So a European cleaning tool, we got about 10 of you. A first century toy, similar to a slinky. Who thinks that one? Oh, the most of you think it's a slinky. Okay, spong. Okay, fantastic. Uh, third one, an irregular narrow piece of land. Who thinks that one? Okay, that would, I would say that's tied maybe for first, second, or third. Um, and then, <laughs> I feel like you guys are raising your hand for every single one. That's not how the game works. Uh, last but not least, if you think spong is someone who spits beats. Josh Harper. Spong is someone who spit, no it's not. Uh, you always have the person in the game that wants to do a funny definition just to make people laugh because they don't know what to do. Uh, the winner is an irregular uh, narrow piece of land. That's what a spong is. <laughs> Woo, you're the smart people, the rest of you, you lose. It's a terrible game, right? It's not that much fun. It's an okay game. So, so for an hour and a half, we'll play that game and whoever guessed the most wins on the board and you win Balderdash, blah, 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 okay? Um, the philosophers were playing a big old game of balderdash when it came to the meaning of life. Give me the definition of why we're alive. And the word they would define it is the word logos. It's the word, Greek word word is what we get from here. In the beginning was logos, and the word was logos, and the word logos was with God, and the logos was God. So you would have two groups. It was the Stoics and Epicureans. The Stoics were sitting there and they're like, what is the meaning of life? We gotta figure out a definition. We gotta define it because we gotta define why we're alive. The problem is you lose in a game, you just lose in a game. If you don't define why you're alive, you lose your life. You lose your purpose. You lose your value. You lose everything. I don't wanna play this balderdash for fun. I, I wanna know, I want the cheat. Give me the real definition. I'll, I'll cheat on this one. And the Bible is the ultimate advantage in life. You start reading the word of God, oh, it will, it will um, set you ahead of people oh, on a whole different level. So uh, the Stoics decide, okay, we're gonna submit this definition. The meaning to life is just being good and moral. Just do right and don't do wrong. And they kept on defining what moral was. So that was the Stoics. That was their definition they submitted in the game of life of Balderdash. And the Epicureans are like, no, no, no. Our definition is gonna be this, live for pleasure. That's why you're alive, live for pleasure. And so these philosophers, the, the loudest ones became the Stoics and the Epicureans, and these are the ones that the world started listening to the most. You had to pick one. I, I think I'm alive for just morals. I should just do good and not bad. And I'd be like, no, no, I, I think I'm alive just to experience pleasure. And so these are the two things you basically had an option. And so people in this time were obsessed, why am I alive? And so 
God uses John to author the reason why you're alive. And he says, here is the definition of logos. And it's not a definition. It's a person and his name is Jesus. And so it goes in to say, goes, in the beginning was the logos and the logos was with, with, with God and the logos was God. He's saying to the people, here's the real definition of why you're alive. His name is Jesus. And once you get to know Jesus, you'll get to know why you're alive. Here's what I mean by that. Can you imagine me coming over to your house and you have the brand new iPhone, was it 12, 27, 27, 30? What, what iPhone is it? It's got like four or five cameras on the back now. You know what I'm saying? Uh, iPhone 12, I think it is. You got the new iPhone 12 and you were using it as a paperweight. And I'd walk in and go, what are you doing with the iPhone? Oh, I, I don't know what it is. I, I, I thought it was just something that could just keep the papers down when it got windy. So I put the iPhone on top of the paper and I'd say, no, I, haven't you seen the... Um, uh, the website, Apple, and it shows you that it's an, it's an iPhone. You can make calls. You can use the internet. You can take selfies. You can post on Instagram. It does basically everything. It, li it secretly listens on your calls, and the government has it. It's amazing. I said, That's what I think. We literally said, like, we're, we're like looking to buy a house. We're like, man, we should be looking for flooring. And I just said, look for flooring, and then on Instagram, flooring was being advertised. That freaks me out, all right? I went down a trail. Apologize. <laughs> Let me put it this way if I could uh, conclude two things. One is, you would uh, eventually figure out the iPhone is not fulfilling its potential of just being a paperweight. Wow. Another way I, I wrote it down was simply this is, <laughs> you would conclude that uh, the owner of the iPhone was not realizing its potential. Now, some of you are living a life like a paperweight. You don't really know what to do, so you're just chilling. A lot of people during this time, they were just chilling, they didn't know what to do. I think, I, think I'm, I think I'm just supposed to live for pleasure. And Jesus walks in and goes, oh, you were built for so much more. Oh, you were built for so much more. I, uh, can I use a Little Mermaid illustration? Okay, I'm going to. Thank you. Uh, one person, yeah. Um, so Little Mermaid uh, is my wife's favorite Disney princess. We don't know what we're talking about today. Um, yep. Um, and I would say it was my first Disney princess crush. So it worked out pretty well. All right. Um, you're my Ariel. All right. Um, I think that's weird, but okay. Yeah, cool. All right. Yeah. I want to be where the people are. All right. Um, so Ariel would find things. I'm going to double down on this. Illustration. She would find things, and she would bring them to Scuttle. Scuttle's the bird in the movie. Uh, and one of them is just a, a fork. And he calls it, what did he call it? I think I wrote it down. A dingle hopper? Yeah, he calls it a dingle hopper, and he says he uses it to brush their hair. Um, and then another one is a pipe. I don't know why they used a smoking pipe for a kid movie, um, but a smoking pipe, and he's talked about, it's like to make noise. And the reality of hanging out with the one that created you is you're gonna find out why everything was created when you hang out with the one that created you. Now, now here's what I mean by that. The world is scuttle. You'll bring sex to scuttle and say, what's sex? what is sex for, scuttle? And he's gonna give you the worst answer ever. Uh, let, let, me, let me write it down this way. Uh, you're going to go to Scuttle and you're going to ask him, uh, what is money for? What is my career for? What am I for? And Scuttle is just spewing these terrible ideas at Ariel. And so she shows up at this party and instead of eating food with a fork, she starts brushing her hair with her fork. She's set up to fail. But you hang out with the Lagos, he'll give you all the Lagos. He'll give you all the meanings for all the things. I, I wrote down a handful of things that you should know the meaning to. When you start to hang out with God, you're gonna actually start to understand the meaning of marriage. Wow. Ma marriage, the logos of marriage. It's so interesting. The world, the scuttle of the world, the movies of the world will tell you marriage is all about you and, and being fulfilled by your spouse and using your spouse to take care of your needs. And if they don't do it, then the marriage has failed. That's terrible advice from scuttle. You know what marriage is for? It's to glorify God. 
I said, my, my life being laid down for my spouse is literally the greatest thing I can do for my marriage. That's the meaning of marriage. And guess what happens? It actually fulfills you too. It's crazy. I feel like when Rachel and I are clicking on both cylinders, like when we're doing the best is when our marriage is about Jesus. When we start building God's house together, I, I'll be honest, I was nervous for us to plant the church. Rachel knows that I'm allowed to say this because I'm married an Italian fiery girl, okay? <laughs> and, and I was like, we're about to work together, like really work together. And uh, like somebody kind of has to lead out of this. And so I'm gonna pick me because that's what the Bible says to do. Uh, and I'm gonna be the senior pastor. And so I just like, I, I love my wife, but I didn't like, like do I, how do I ask her to do something? Or, you know, I want, you know, we'll do it together. And what I realized is our marriage has never been better. Man, when you lay your life down to build something bigger than yourself as a couple, ooh, say goodnight. You need to know the definition of singleness. The, the world tells you singleness is this or singleness is that. Oh, the Bible shows that singleness is dangerous in a good way. It, literally, the Bible says that those who are single have more time to build a house and do greater things. I was a better pastor when I was single. I'm sorry, people. I don't got time for you anymore. Not as much. But literally, it shows that, that those single seasons are, are seasons of developing. It's, it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. This is the logos of it. Another one is simply this. Is if you hang out with the, the meaning of life, you'll find out that money, it's not about you. The, the Bible, when it talks about money, it's talking about you're blessed to be a blessing. When God gives you things, it's not so you can acquire more things. He gives you things so you can actually be effective with those things. So when, when things come into your hands, oh, no, the meaning of money is not to acquire more, but it's to bless more. Another thing I'll tell you when you hang out with the logos of life, the meaning of life, you'll find out that, that politics, <laughs> I'm gonna go there, cool, okay, sweet. Um, that politics are not the way, the truth, and the life. That you actually read the Bible and it shows in politics that God actually puts them in place to help us govern the land. Not to become the idol of the land. Another thing you find about, Paul, uh, about uh, um, the, the logos is church. The church is the vehicle to change the world. It's not about you. Hey, can I be honest? You should pick your church very carefully. I, I hope you pick Mission Church uh, for a number of reasons, but one of the reasons why you should pick Mission Church is you go, you know what? I found a church that wants to change the world and I was built to change the world. You shouldn't pick a church just because you like the songs, even though we have great worship leaders. You shouldn't pick the church just because you like the messages. I think they're pretty good. Um, <laughs> you, you shouldn't pick the church just because it's the easiest drive. You should pick a church where you go, Lord, you said that the church is what is gonna defeat the gates of hell, that the church is gonna be the vehicle that will change the world. And I am a part of the church, that I'm a living being connected to a whole body. So if that's what the church is and that's the meaning of the church, I should pick my church very carefully. Does that make good sense? When you hang out with Jesus, you take, things, you take things less seriously than you ever should have and you take other things way more seriously. It's, it's fascinating to me that people are moving to states for just any reason. You know, I just wanna get out of here because it's crazy. Man, you, God did not have you birthed on this planet, knitted into a place just to get away from crazy things. If God, call, if God calls you to another church or another place, that's great. But if you're just moving because of comfort, oh, you missed the meaning of life. Oh, church should be a big part of how you process. Does that sound good? Hopefully, as you process, you still stay like, yeah, I should actually think, should Mission Church be my church? Uh, goo. Uh, uh, I heard the Lord. He said yes. Okay, let's go. Um, so first thing is, every Christian knows that Jesus is the meaning of life. Second, second point, there's gonna be quick the intro, uh, intro to the series, is every Christian should know Jesus is light. Jesus is light. Everybody say light. light. 
In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Come on, that should encourage some of you today. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light. There's a lot of light in this one. So that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light, the true light that gives light to everyone who was coming into the world. A lot of light there. Um, anybody ever watched the cartoon Care Bears? So the Care Bears, basically, they had the light in them. And when bad things would happen, they would uh, give you the Care Bear stare, and then the light would go out, and it would heal people. It would fight the enemy, and it was like a great... I actually liked the TV show. I don't know why, but I did. And then sometimes when it was a big enemy, you had to get all the Care Bears together, and they'd do the Care Bear stare together. (laughs) What's interesting is that a lot of people are told that they have everything they need inside of them. Everything that you need to accomplish this world, it's inside of you. you just, you're strong enough, you're good enough, and it's inside of you, and you can go conquer this world. And this is saying, you don't have the light. You don't have the victory. There's one that wasn't the light, was pointing to the light, because the light needed to come, because the light is the victory. The light leads, the light exposes, the light brings victory. Every Christian needs to know that they don't have light in them, they need the light to come in them. And so, I'm gonna share four groups that thought that they were the light because they were trying to manufacture light. Um, One of the groups was the Essenes. And we see this today. The the Essenes had this thought. Well, okay, we're the light. And really true light is, if I was in charge, you ever say this? If I was in charge, everything would be great. That was the Essenes. Well, if I was in charge of this room, if I was in charge of this, if I was in charge of this work place, if if, if you're working at a business, oh, it's terrible. If I was in charge, you'd be better. That's a God statement. You're you're not God. You shouldn't be in charge. God's in charge. So the Essenes thought, man, we... We'll create light by being in control. Second group that thought there was light was the zealots. They thought politics was light. If we could just have the right political party be in charge, then everything's gonna be okay. If, the, if we can just get the right political um, leverage and the right political leader, then the world will be just fine. That's the zealots. They wanna create uh, their light through politics. Another one was the, the Pharisees. It was through religion. They thought if we could have the right religion, religious performance, we could have light in this world. If we could just follow all the laws, then there would be a lot of light. And last but not least, there was the Sadducees. Simply put, as they thought, if it, made, if it felt good, do it. They were the gluttonous group. Well, it, just find light, find glutton, find good things. So you have these four groups. And I'd like to say we've come a long way in the last 2,000 years since Jesus died on a cross. We haven't. Just, you didn't know that, Okay. People today still think if they were in charge and they were in control, there'd be a lot of light in the world. No, there would not. You'd be terrible at it, okay? Uh, A lot of people think that uh, politics are going to save the world. They're not gonna save the world. Jesus saved the world. I'm just gonna be honest. So there's zealots still today that have so much zeal over politics, but not having people get to know Jesus, who is the true light. And then you have, uh, what's the, the, the third one? The Pharisees. Yeah, religious people today still trying to make us fall all the law, thinking that's what's gonna fix the church. And then last but not least, you have the Sadducees, people who are just living their own way, thinking if I could just find whatever makes me feel good, I found light. And what John is saying and what the Holy Spirit's saying to us, oh, is there was this one who testified about the light and there is a true light and the light came so he could be among us. Can I give you a little heads up real quick? Light reveals things. When you have an intruder in your house, what do you do? You turn the light on. It would be really hard to fight somebody in the dark. There's so a lot of Christians right now fighting in the dark. You have Jesus turn the light on for you. Uh, you know what I like about light? It leads you, it guides you. It's the lamp that light, guides, your, guides, your, uh, guides your feet, guides your path. Uh, a lot of Christians just walking around aimlessly right now. Man, you need some light. 
Um, you think about what sun does to plants. It helps them grow. It literally helps them literally botanically grow, like become what they're supposed to be. Man, it's hard to grow in darkness. Man, the light is such a gift to us. You don't have what it takes to be what you're supposed to be. I uh, um, wrote this down. It's the last one. I invite the worship team to come up. Two minutes and 45 seconds. I smashed it. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> intro message, so... I try to keep it tight on this one. Uh, last but not least, every Christian needs to know that Jesus is the ultimate tabernacle. So you need to know he's the meaning of life. You need to know he's light and the ultimate tabernacle. It's a big word, but these are things that Christians should know, that believers should know. Um, the last things of this, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came to the father full of grace and truth. This is the verse where he became incarnate, man, incarnate. That You'll hear that word incarnate and you'll think of one word, carne asada. Anybody carne asada? Come on now. He came in the flesh. He came in the flesh, carne asada. Uh, any vegetarians in the house? Cool, none tonight, sweet. Um, uh, I love Isaiah. It talks that we're going to have a huge feast with meat, okay? Uh, the carne, all right? So Jesus comes in the flesh as man. And, and I, want, I want us to focus on these two things. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came to the father full of grace and truth. Uh, it's interesting. Religion is, if I could just define it real quick, it's man's made a way to get to God. It's man's way to get enlightened. They're trying to lighten their own load. They're, they're trying to climb a ladder to get to God. But God's way was not religion to get to, get to him. It was Jesus so he could get to us. And so this verse is blowing up religion on every level, saying religion will never get you to God. He came to dwell among us. Now, there's a couple things you need to know about this dwell among us thing. First thing is this, is that in the Old Testament, there was this thing called the tabernacle. And it is where you would go to encounter God. Now, the high priest could go once a year to the Holy of Holies and go actually offer a sacrifice. There was a cost to actually get in there. It would be your best um, goat or your best um, bull, but you'd have to sacrifice it so you could actually encounter God. And so when uh, John the Baptist sees him, when, when John describes this uh, uh, depiction of Jesus being seen, he says, behold the tabernacle, the glory of God. Now it's not once a year we get to see him, it's 365, 24 seven. Um, I don't know about you, but Rachel and I, we love to go to uh, Vegas once a year. Anybody love going to Vegas once a year? Don't judge us, okay? We go to, not to gamble, all right? Um, uh, but to go win money for the church, okay? Um, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Lord, this is for you, give us seven. It's a godly number. Okay, uh, no, 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 no. Anyways, let's keep going. So we go to Vegas, we love the shows, they have a big lion exhibit, they have good golf courses, but our favorite thing is actually the food in Vegas. They have some of the best buffets. So uh, I don't think buffets will be around anymore. Thanks a lot, COVID. Um, but uh, there was this uh, one buffet, uh, cost like $17 million to make. It was at Caesar's Palace. And Rachel and I, every year, were like, oh my gosh, we're gonna go there. And this buffet has king crab legs. It's got a rack of lamb, uh, prime rib. I mean, it's got five-star things. It's, it's $50 a head, but they're losing money, but they just want you to come to the casino because people do gamble there. Not Rachel and I, we evangelize. Um, but... <laughs> We get so excited to go to that buffet and you save up for it. You can't go to those kind of dinners every night. I don't got that kind of dime, I don't got that kind of scrap. And so um, you go there and you just have the best time. You feast on it like crazy. And it's a once a year kind of thing that we enjoy. Now, to the Christian audience, the more you get to know God, the, the more you understand how big of a deal this verse is that he became the ultimate tabernacle. Is once a year, they would look forward to seeing the high priest go in to intercede on their behalf 
to fulfill the longing in their heart for this thing called peace. They didn't have peace. They were starving for peace. And so the priest would go in and the smoke would come up, of course. And what Jesus did is he said, guess what? You don't have to fly to Vegas anymore. Guess what? You don't have to come to the buffet anymore. The buffets came to you. And not only that, the buffet, it's not unhealthy food. It's the greatest spiritual diet of your life. The thing that you desire, you're starving for peace. You're starving for purpose. You're starving for fulfillment. Well, the tabernacle is now open 365, 24 seven, and it's paid for and you can come anytime you want. This is an amazing promise from God. Every Christian should know this. Every Christian should know this. And when you get to know God, you're gonna to wanna to hang out with God more. And, and I, I just wrote down a couple of thoughts. It says that he came with full of grace and truth. In the Old Testament, the tabernacle was full of law and it was a shadow, it was pointing to Jesus. So the Old Testament, the tabernacle was law and a shadow and, the, and Jesus was full of grace and truth. Can I just be honest real quick, if you're watching at home, if you went to a religious church that was just full of truth, you probably left it and you're like, I just, oh, I can't stand it. And then you just start doing anything and everything. And then you try to find maybe a church that was called the Grace Church. We just love grace, only grace. You can do whatever you want because there's grace. And so the church was full of grace, but had very little truth. Some of you grew up and you went to a Grace Church or you've been around Grace Churches. It's full of grace, but there's no truth and you're, you haven't been growing and you're, you're at a Grace Church in a sense that they're full of grace, but no truth. And so you're doing whatever you want to do with, your, uh, with the girls you're dating and the guys you're dating. You're doing whatever you want to do with your finances. And you're asking yourself, why is it that I'm not flourishing? Why is it that my relationships are terrible? Why is it that my finances and my career, everything about me, why am I still in the same spot? Because you can't be full of one and not the other. The perfect diet is grace and truth. Truth is the standard of the house. We're gonna go through this book and you're not gonna like some of the things I say. I'm not looking forward to saying them to you. But truth has to be the standard of the house. Do you think God needs to change or do you think we need to change? Come on, I, I, I have been toiling over this series because I know I'm going to say things I've never said at Mission Church to a area in the Bay Area that thinks they're so smart on how to do life. They're so smart on how they should navigate all their things. They know this is how you should do this and do that. Oh, the word of God is gonna challenge you. Oh, you must be full of truth. But the spirit of how we're gonna go about it is we're gonna be full of grace. We're all on our journey. We're all falling short somewhere. It's all good. Oh, that's truth, I didn't even know it, my bad. All good, let's keep going. Full of grace and truth. And when you actually start to live a life full of grace and truth, oh, you're gonna start taking back ground. You're gonna start growing. You're gonna start having an energy for God. You're gonna start flourishing in a way you never thought you could. If you're at home today, man, Jesus loves you so much. He came and dwelt among us so you could actually just say yes to him. You don't have to do anything religious today. I wanna give everybody a room, an opportunity in the room and at home to say yes to Jesus. This is what's so amazing about this moment is the tabernacle was this exclusive thing. It's no longer exclusive. It's for all. If you wanna say yes to Jesus, you want to get rid of this angst and anxiety and you want peace in your soul, the only place you find real peace and his name is Jesus. You want to say yes to heaven, no to hell, yes to blessing, no to cursing. If you want to say yes to salvation, if you're watching at home, type yes in the YouTube. Tell your friends right now, I'm saying yes to Jesus today. Oh, it's the best decision you could have. Online, say yes. We're going to have somebody follow up with you. Will you bow your heads with me? God, we thank you that you're the one who said yes before we did. You gave the yes way before we ever could. And because you said yes, now we get to say yes. God, we thank you that you give us the opportunity to find the meaning of our life and the meaning of why we're alive. 
Oh God, we love you. Oh, as we worship, Lord, may we worship as repentant sinners, knowing that we are saved from death to life. Oh, you are light, nothing else. And everybody said? Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.